Every year lately, I'm grateful that we live in an age of cake toppers because never again will I have to spend 12 hours making a really bad approximation of a Thomas the Tank Engine cake. On the other hand, things seem to have ramped up since the era of, you know, the Women's Weekly pool cake where you just stuck some jelly on top and some chocolate sticks around the edge for a fence. There's quite a lot of politics around children's parties, whether you're a host or a guest. What dilemmas have you confronted with children's birthday parties from either side of that coin? Author Monica Ducks is an experienced parent of a 13 and a 16-year-old and a deep thinker on all kinds of cultural and social issues. Monica, great to have you back on the program. Lovely to be back, Hillary. And Dr Rebecca Ray is a clinical psychologist, author and parent of a five-year-old. Dr Rebecca Ray, great to have you back. Thank you so much. Monica Ducks, what do birthday parties look like for you these days? Uh, I'm on the other side, so I can look back with wisdom and a a profound sense of relief that I no longer have to look at them anymore. Um, I found them so stressful, and I think everyone does in, in lots of different ways. And, yeah, when my last kid said to me, I only want one person to come to the party this year. That's all I want. Uh, it was it was probably one of the happiest days of my <laughs> life. I thought it's over. But, you know, they're necessary. They're a necessary evil. So, Well, and what's that party going to Is it a party if it's just got one other kid? Don't say that. Okay, I mean, sorry. they're at school. They won't Enjoy hear you. Say that. That's okay. It's enough. No, that's fine. Yeah, look, it, no, it's not. But I guess it's the the large parties. And when, when you've got, particularly when you've got a couple of kids and they all start saying, well, they had, you know, 10 people last sleepover. Why can't I have 10 sleep? people as a sleepover and they they loom and they come and they're they're very confronting events. Yes, indeed. Mm. Yep, I I agree with you wholeheartedly and we won't, Monica Ducks, go towards the parties of the late teens, which is still ahead of you. We'll leave that for another time. Uh, Beck, you're joining us with your psychologist hat on as well as your parent hat. Why can these parties be so stressful for you and the kids? I think they can be incredibly stressful because of comparison and our fear of judgment from other parents. I think we're thrown into um, this world of what it should look like, the world of Instagram um, balloons and uh, advertising of how good the party was. And it can be really easy to think, oh, my goodness, what do I have to create in order to make sure that I'm giving my child the same experience as the kid in his class that had this amazing party on the weekend? Well, there's the the issue, it starts, I guess, with the invitations. And I understand that you're dealing with that in your household at the moment, Rebecca Ray. I am. Um, I'm dealing with uh, Bennett's five year, uh, his fifth birthday is in March, my son. And um, uh, Monica, I might just need to pop over and have some counselling for you <laughs> because uh, it's stressful. He's he's in a position where, well, we're in a position where I don't actually understand whether we're obligated to invite every single child in his class. Mm-hmm. Um what does that mean for exclusion if we don't invite every child in his class? I actually don't know. I'm walking this fine line between trying to be an empathic psychologist that makes sure everyone feels seen and heard and also going, do we have the resources as parents to provide that kind of party? <laughs> yeah, not let alone our mental health and Monica's nodding. Oh, I just need exactly. to provide, let me let me give you some advice on that because I made a terrible mistake for my five-year-old where my first kid, we had a party and we didn't 
didn't invite a kid who was a friend and it was a accident of the invite but we felt so guilty for ages that we hadn't yeah. invited this kid how terrible we are the parents who have you know damaged this child and he will always remember it so when it came to my second kid and they were five and they just started school i said look let's just invite everyone we can i let my youngest handle a lot of it which was a huge mistake and the day of the party came and children just kept arriving and I didn't recognise half of them. At one point I opened the pantry door and there was a boy in there making Milo and I was like, where did you come from? So, also, would you like to come back and do the dishes later? Oh, it was it was mayhem and I don't and I so I think it's a really fine balance. Like I think you I think if you cap numbers early, it sets a precedent and that's really important. But yeah, that party was very very confronting. Well, and you can totally see why parents would go, okay, this capping the numbers can be a very useful learning opportunity and we'll sit and talk about how we make friends and what are the limits and things like that. But Dr. Rebecca Ray, you have uh, or your household has been on the pointy end of that, haven't they? That uh, yeah. who is coming and who isn't? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Nissa, my wife, picked Bennett up from daycare at the end of last year and um, uh, sorry, actually, she dropped him off. It was a drop-off. And she went to his locker to pop his bag in, and there was an invitation in beside his locker for um, a kid's birthday in December. And there was a little girl beside um, Bennett's locker standing there who said, I didn't get one. <gasps> now, Nissa, she her bottom lip dropped, her little chin started quivering, and Nissa immediately went into placatory mode and couldn't be the bearer of bad news. So instead she said, maybe yours is coming. Maybe you'll get yours tomorrow. Oh, uncertainty. Because she couldn't. She did not want to be the one that said, well, you're not invited, sweetheart. You know, like sometimes we don't always get to go to all the parties. It was just a really uncomfortable position for her to be in. Yeah. What's a better way to handle that? Look, I, I'm not sure because I, I don't know that it was Nissa's responsibility to say you're not coming um, and just have little Lauren have a very difficult day that day. Mm. Um but perhaps it's a parent's responsibility when we start having these social experiences to make sure that kids understand that um, people have their close friends. And that doesn't mean that you're not likeable. It just means that we don't always get invited to everything and that's okay. I asked for people's response to the dilemmas of children's parties on the text line and the single response we've had so far is a necessary evil? Question mark. We're speaking with Monica Ducks, who's an author and social commentator, and Dr. Rebecca Ray, who's a psychologist. They're both parents too, so they're giving us some very interesting perspectives. The gift can be a huge point of contention, can't it, on both sides of the coin. Monica, what are some dilemmas that you've discovered over the years about choosing a gift? Oh, look, the big headline would be landfill. Yeah. Um, and every parent's vain, and I hate plastic, I hate landfill, most of us do. And when you have a party, you are inviting, you know, toys that will not disintegrate for four billion years. But likely. won't work for more than a week. And will sit under the bed for six years. Yeah. So that is a terrible thing. But then that ability to say, look, I don't want landfill, we don't want plastic, that's fine and dandy. But there's a flip side of that. And that's that tension between being invited and being the host is you don't want to spend your Saturday morning trying to shop for some sustainably sourced uh, rain, non-rainforest wooden toy. And it's a really hard one to navigate. And, and I, 
it puts so much pressure, I think, on parents in what in terms of what they give and and in terms of how you are meant to accept that. Because I do think kids should get gifts. It's a it's their party. Yeah, I've been to parties where it was like make a little financial contribution. Okay. Yeah, and did I they thought specify that, it. Yeah, they did, and I just think, oh, that come on, like it's a kid. I mean, I really feel like parties are places where kids can go wild, and it is special to have a birthday party. And so, yeah, I think gifts are necessary, but how do you navigate the plastic and the crap? It's a really hard one. What about the no gifts necessary, which I often put on the cards and then people bring things anyway because there's such a strong social compulsion to kind of be generous. Well, I think being aware that, you know, some people can't afford gifts, some people can afford gifts and not feeling like there's pressure to give something is really important. But allowing the, you know, making it clear, well, if you bring a gift, that's great. If you don't, that's fine. That, I think, makes it a lot easier. But, yeah, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. Well, and you want to make most of the discomfort fall on the parents, don't you? Not the children. Absolutely. You don't want them to be that kid. Absolutely. And, you know, a box of, like, roses, chocolates. Oh, I just advertised on ABC. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, something li- like that is is great for a kid. You don't need the big Buzz Lightyear, you know, plastic toy that but but yeah, kids kids don't see price. They see, oh wow, I've just opened a gift. Yeah, yeah. I I, I understand that you mentioned to my producer this this idea of the carob kids from back in a, there a are, you in the would 70s. know these, wouldn't you, Hillary? I there, was that kid. Were you that kid? See, there was a generation. I mean, in terms of food, because I think we bring to children, we we try and curate their worlds, and we don't want them to go to these parties and get sugared up. But at the same time, it's like you know, they want to have fun. And if you put out carrot sticks and you stay up all night baking a spanakopita, uh, the kids don't care. And in fact, it might damage them in some way. And and the other danger is the parents might stay. If you put out really good food, you'll find all these random people hanging around the food table. <laughs> Even though you've said, it's a drop-off party. You exactly. Don't need to so I think fairy bread is your friend and a pack, you know, a few packets of chips and yeah. maybe a bit of soft drink. And that can be a really fun thing for the kids to do too. I've never seen my children so focused as when the sprinkles came out and you had to slap them Absolutely. on the buttered bread. And it tastes so good. Yeah. I actually really like carob. I want to put that on the record. I'm not scarred by my childhood. <laughs> Dr. Rebecca Ray, I mean, with, you know, these dual parenting and psychologist hats, how do you deal with that thing that some parents find challenging, which is that you spend half your life trying to make the children eat healthy food and then you go to a party and it's all out the window. It's just open slather. I, I really agree with Monica that this is um, a childhood rite of passage. This is that these parties are experiences that we often remember well into adulthood. And so I think that they're special occasions, you know, and uh, sugar is a special occasion food or a treat food. But the, the research generally tells us that when you withhold certain foods from your child, they're more likely to bust out and go crazy when they finally have access to that food. So I tend to walk a line that is a little bit more flexible, which is that the the treat kind of foods are celebrated at these times. It's okay to have them. It's okay to create an experience using food as part of that experience rather than trying to um, enforce strict rules around healthiness that then take away part of the experience for the child. But they happen every week, like in daycare and early mm. primary. You're getting these invitations all the time. I guess, you know, you could have your breakout day once a week, couldn't you? Yeah, I do think it's about um, this points to load that we put on our kids as well. Mm-hmm. Because they happen every week, does that mean that we need to go to every single party? Now, it might be a bit different if there's like cupcakes taken to school every day for, you know, 
I don't know, little Arlo's birthday this week and then it's um, Declan's birthday ne- next week. But in terms of parties on the weekend, I think it's about working out as parents how much of a load is okay for my child to be participating in. And I mean that as a an energetic load, but also then um, you can monitor food intake that way as well by saying, okay, well, rather than going to two birthday parties on one day, we'll just do one of them. Lots of texts coming in on this issue of children's parties. We're speaking with Monica Ducks and Dr. Rebecca Ray. The text uh, that, that popped in at the top, easy rule, number of guests equals age of child until 11 years old. And then it stops, what, until 18 when they take a few friends out for dinner, in brackets, good luck with that. There's a lot to unpack in that text. I'm just going to let that go to the keeper. Another says, parents make such a song and dance of birthdays now. There's no wonder kids not invited feel left out. That's from Lisa. And on the topic of gifts, one person just says, Books, books, books. That's a very good suggestion there. I want to talk for a moment about the the kind of sugar overload as represented by the party bag. We've got birthday season happening now and um, I uh, asked on Facebook whether anyone knew where you could find those little cards with seeds in them. I was like, I won't have just lollies in my party bag. I'll have lovely craft-based things. People are like, oh, maybe you could like make your own with like newspaper pulp. It's like, nope. How do you... Dicky upwards. Yeah. 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 With the weight of expectations, mm. I mean, Monica, you've you've parented over a longer period than I have. What have you seen ramping up over the years? Yeah, I mean, I had my kid went to one party where there was a seed and a plant, and I thought that was wonderful. Whether I would have the energy to do that myself is a completely different matter, and I suspect not. I ended up with the lolly bag, basically getting paper bags lollies from the market you know they were just and sticking them in and thinking there we go but having said that when my kids were coming home with lolly bags they drove me absolutely wild because there would be like they would just binge on these lollies all night or you know so once again it's like let them have the the lollies but you don't want the lollies but yeah trees are great plant a tree yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and on the on the kind of, uh, you know, you're having archery this year, they're having laser tag, someone else is having a day spa. Rebecca Ray, how do you tell your kid that just because Salman had a piñata the size of the house, you're not going to, that it's going to be a bit different for you? I think that's a difficult discussion. I think it's really important to acknowledge that kids have a um, drive to want to be like their friends because it's part of our need, our human need to belong to our people. And the way we belong is feeling like we're similar to other people. Um, What this arouses in little kids, though, certainly kids Bennett's age, around five and older, sorry, five and younger, when they're not quite um, understanding of the fact that things can be different for other people, is that um, this sense of jealousy and also I'm missing out. So there's very much this fear of missing out. And as kids age, that turns into um, I'm not good enough or it can turn into I'm not good enough if I don't have that as well. Mm. So I think it's really important to create an understanding for kids that stuff doesn't equal status that you are worthy just for existing and for the kindness that you bring to the world and the meaning that you bring to the world. But it's not about what you can get or um, the things that you have that creates who you are. Speaking of uh, kids' parties and kindness and 
drama, Monica Ducks, there's been a few standout incidents in, in your time parenting. I understand there were some difficult moments with pinatas, for example, but I really want to hear about the snake. Yeah, so we outsourced. I became a, a big outsourcer of parties. I thought that's the cl- you know the trick. And we had a so we got in reptiles, a reptile handler, ethical reptile handler. And <laughs> I thought, okay, well I'll get up and show the kids. Don't be afraid, little you know kids. This is how they're going to give me a snake, and it's really friendly. And a huge python was put around my neck, and <laughs> I completely lost it and started screaming, like literally screaming. I didn't realise I had an aversion to snakes until that moment because I'd never held one so how was I to know but yeah it sort of changed the tone of handling the reptiles in that party yep that's a fun moment okay kids this is how we deal with unexpected stress good we scream it's healthy let it out don't suppress that anger and rage and fear uh there's so much more we could talk about with kids parties but the news is upon us Monica Ducks is a writer and social commentator whose most recent book is called Lapsed Monica lovely to have you in lovely to be here and Dr Rebecca Ray is a clinical psychologist and author Beck thanks for joining us Thank you so much for having me. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.